This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange traded funds with Global X ETFs. Exchange traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. Global X specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. Our colleague Val Borline recently put on a surgical mask and drove to a rural town in North Carolina called Rich Square. Rich Square is in the northeastern quarter of the state. It's very beautiful. It's very flat, very, very rural. They grow a lot of soybean. They used to grow a lot of peanuts. Now there's a lot of logging. It's got a population of 900, and it's got a beautiful little downtown. I mean, just gorgeous. One of the most important businesses in town is the Rich Square Market. It's an independent grocery store, the only place for many miles to buy fresh food. But it's much more than that. Rich Square Market plays a much bigger role in this community than, than a typical grocery store. It is one of the major employers. They've got 35 employees. You can pay your electric bills there. You can cash your paycheck there. There's an ATM there. Outside a church, you don't run into people that much in a rural area. So Rich Square is a place where people actually, they don't get dolled up, but they know they're going to run into their friends at the store. It's the community gathering place. This Rich Square institution is now grappling with the disruption caused by coronavirus. And it's falling to one man to keep the town fed, keep his employees safe, and keep his store alive in the middle of a pandemic. Today on the show, how one small business owner is tackling the challenge of running the only grocery store in town. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Friday, April 24th. So Rich Square Market is, on the outside, it's a, it's a humble-looking store. It's a standalone store. It was built in the 70s, and it feels like it. Inside of it, one of the things I loved best about it, I mean, I'm from the South, and it felt to me like going to a Southern store when I was a kid. Well, tell me what's good today. Everything's good. <laughs> Every day. So there was like Tang, two for $4. You know, Little Debbie snack cakes everywhere on sale. There was, you know, country hams hanging on a display by the little kiosk where you pay the bills. It's upbeat, sort of peppy music, the constant, you know, bleep, bleep of the scanner. Everyone relies on this one store to get produce, to get milk, to get meat, to get all their daily needs met. The man in charge of that store is Frank Timberlake. How y'all doing? Find everything okay? He's got red hair, dark glasses. I've never seen him in photos or in real life, not in a motorcycle T-shirt. He takes a lot of love from his Harley Davidson and spending time on that. And how would you describe how he runs the store? Frank, how do I say this? You know, there's people in baseball that hit the ball to me, hit the ball to me, and I want the ball. Frank is that kind of guy. He's the person that decides, good, bad, or indifferent. He wants the ball, right? He wants to be the one that makes the decision. But on the other hand, it's very heavy. You know, in the whole county of 20,000 people, Frank's store 
is the place. You're either going to drive 30 minutes, 40 minutes, or you're going to go to Frank's. And most people go to Frank's. And Frank's taken the responsibility of running Rich Square Market very seriously. In 14 years of running the place, Frank has worked to stay open through snowstorms and hurricanes. And then earlier this year, Frank told me he started hearing about a new kind of disaster. You know, you started hearing about it, the virus, but in our local area, you know, it really wasn't talked about that much. And um, you could see folks starting to buy more, and it kind of set up a, you know, a little alarm in you. This was back in the beginning of March, when there weren't many cases of coronavirus in the U.S. But just to be safe, Frank started stocking up on canned foods, and he installed hand sanitizer by the entrance of the store. And then... Northampton County has 26 cases, all but two are linked to the same facility, Pine Forest Rest Home. The Pine Forest Rest Home is a retirement community less than 10 miles from Rich Square. In late March, nearly every resident and half of the staff contracted COVID-19. One resident later died. And so when word got around that there was an outbreak at Pine Forest Rest, this nursing home, Frank said, oh, no. And he told this wonderful story. He said, you know, because his grandmother had lived there when he was little. And for the last several years, he's gone up to Pine Forest Rest on his motorcycle, his big red Harley, in a Santa Claus suit and taken presents and, and gone around and gotten his picture made with everybody. My mother has passed when I was a kid. She, she had us in the good living room every year wrapping presents. And then once the kids wrapped the presents for the rest of the residents, we had to go out there and deliver them to each one of the residences. Did this outbreak at the rest home make you feel like your community, your employees, your customers were vulnerable and, like, could bring the virus into your store? I very much felt that way. As a small business owner, the responsibility fell to Frank to keep his team safe. There was one employee who Frank thought could be particularly vulnerable, one of his cashiers. Miss Shirley's in her 80s, and I called her in the office, and I said, Miss Shirley, I said, I'm doing this thing, you know, I really would like for you to take a break and go home. When it's over with, you know, your job's safe, you come back. And, and I said, you know, I'll, I'll make sure that you're taken care of. She turned around and looked at me, and she said, well, look, big boy, you're in a high risk, too. Are you going home? And I said, no. She said, well, I'm not either. <laughs> what did you think? Well, what can you say? <laughs> I mean, you know, she's a mama and she's older than I am, so I listen. <laughs> so Frank got to work, trying to keep Shirley and his other employees safe. And to do that, he had to improvise. He decided to make sneeze guards for his cashiers. Oh. Yeah, his own. And uh, he's very proud of this. He's like, they're not pretty. They're country, but they work. He went to the hardware store and got sheets of plexiglass and punched holes in them. And then he took key rings and ran the key rings through the holes. And then he took rope and ran the rope from the key rings up to the slats in the ceiling and tied them off up there. And they work fine. They're sneeze guards that stand between the cashier and the customer and protect them both. So he's just really improvised constantly. But keeping workers safe isn't the only challenge at Rich Square Market. Frank Timberlake also has to keep his business afloat. That's after the break. 
This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. This episode is brought to you by Citizen M. There's no better feeling than finishing work for the day, sipping an ice-cold soda, and nuzzling down into a Citizen M bed. Recharge your brain and batteries at Citizen M Hotels. They're in the tech cities, Menlo Park, Miami, Austin, New York, San Francisco, where people like you work, sleep, and play. Book now at citizenm.com slash the journal. Welcome back. As a small business owner, Frank isn't just responsible for his employees. He's also responsible for serving his customers. And their needs have changed during this pandemic. Rich Square is like everywhere. People went nuts. They started buying all the paper products. They started buying all the canned goods. As soon as school was out, they started buying all the cookies. There's not a cookie in the store. Cookies? Cookies. Yeah, kids are out of school. I mean, I don't know about your kid, but my kids, <laughs> we made cupcakes at lunch today. We're an ice cream family, I'd just say. Okay, okay. Well, and then you, you feel me. If Frank were part of a big grocery chain, he might make a call to corporate headquarters to ask for more supply. But because he's on his own, he can get a bit more creative. Early on in the crisis, people were buying potatoes like nuts. I think they thought they were going on, you know, a ship for <laughs> six months, and they bought all the potatoes. And Frank heard a rumor that a supplier he'd never worked with before, 60 miles down the road, had produce, especially potatoes, but also squash, a couple other things. And so his son, Kendall Timberlake, who's 17, he's a high school senior, and guess what? He's not in school right now. He's missing his senior year. So he put Kendall in the pickup truck and said, go get all this produce. And the kid didn't want to let his dad down. So he gets there. He loads up the bed of the truck full, loads up the back seat of the truck full. He loads up the passenger seat. And I asked him about it. He's like, I was able to carve a hole yay big. I could see out the back and drive all the way back from Greenville. Even with the extra effort, Runs on products like potatoes were emptying the shelves faster than Frank could keep them stocked. Yeah, it's going pretty fast. Yeah, that's what I'll tell you. Have a good one. You want a bag for that? I got it. Okay. But Frank was reluctant to put a cap on how much each shopper could buy because he knew that in a tight-knit community like Rich Square, many shoppers were buying groceries for a lot of family members. Say you're a middle-aged mom. You'll go in and buy for your family. But you'll also go in and buy for your parents who live nearby. And probably you'll go in and buy for your in-laws who also live nearby. Groceries were leaving the shelves so fast that at one point, Frank pleaded with his customers on the store's Facebook page to stop buying so much stuff. Quote, that way everybody will have. But eventually, Frank had to put a cap on some items, like bread. I am very much not a limit person. I don't like limiting anything, but it got to the point that you had to. He came to realize that not limiting 
items that were in heavy demand was doing a disservice to other people. So it's been a constant balancing act of trying to, like, try and get people to buy rationally. Since then, Frank has still found disruptions around every corner. A $2 increase in the price of eggs, an incomplete shipment of toilet paper. And Frank has had to figure out how to respond to each new challenge himself. Where are you getting your information to help you make those decisions? I watch a lot of news. My wife says that I watch nothing but news from the time I get home to the time I go to bed, and she's probably right. And then I do mostly, one of the biggest things I do is I go by what my heart tells me to do. But earlier this month, someone else started telling Frank what to do. The governor of North Carolina issued an executive order with new rules for retailers. What has that order meant for Frank's business? It has meant a big headache. Frank is now supposed to have one-way traffic in store aisles. But when he started mapping out how to do this, he ran into some problems. He thought he was good to go. He started at the door, walked down meat aisle, walked produce, walked up and down the aisles. Instead of ending up at the checkout line, he ended up in the freezer, in the frozen foods. <laughs> and he was so mad. He said, I never thought about it, but I have an uneven number of aisles. And how am I going to make my aisles go one way and have my people end up where they need to and not in a traffic jam in the freezer? Frank figured out a solution that didn't leave his customers in the frozen section by making the last two aisles go in the same direction. There's another part of the state order, though, that doesn't have an easy fix keeping six feet of distance between everyone in the store. So you're standing in the juice aisle. You know, jar juice is what he calls it. And you reach out from the end of the aisle. You can practically touch the cashier. So if you have to back up six feet, you're all the way, you know, say there are four people in line, you're almost to the back of the store, plus blocking people who might come shopping down, you know, the jar juice aisle. I mean, being inside the store, it became so clear to me that one errant sneeze, one cough in the wrong direction could cause people to get sick. And if one person gets sick in the store, gosh, all the dominoes start falling down. So it's been hard. I think a lot, a ton of Americans are just making these decisions every day for their livelihoods that they've spent years building up and don't know whether they're going to survive. You know, it's been a truly tough time to be any business owner, but particularly a small business owner. Frank's sales are up more than their third, but his prices are up, and his pressure's up immensely. So maybe your sales are through the roof. Would you trade a regular business, a predictable business? Frank says he would, any day. He's like, his sales are bananas, but he doesn't want it. He would rather have a normal day. I don't sleep well at night. I'm not afraid of, of, of getting sick. I'm afraid of it for my community. Because this store, if it was closed, it would impact a lot of lives. I have 35 employees that live off of this store. I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of customers that depend on this store. I have a bunch of elderly in our local area that really depend on the store. My customers are my boss, and I've got to be here for them and going to be. That's all for today, Friday, April 24th. 
The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are Ryan Knutson and me, Kate Leinbaugh. The show is made by Gerard Cole, Meg Driscoll, Pia Godkari, Renita Jablonski, Annie Minoff, Ricky Novetsky, Sarah Platt, Willa Rubin, Annie Rose Strasser, and Rob Zipko. Our show is engineered by Griffin Tanner with help from Sam Baer. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Peter Leonard, Emma Munger, So Wiley, and Blue Dot Sessions. Fact-checking by Joy Crane. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.